0: This is Michael Drake, Chancellor at the University of California, Irvine. And whenever I get the urge to hear the voice of independent music, I tune in to KUCI at 88.9 FM in Irvine or over the web at KUCI.org.
1: Good morning. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the September 11, 2012 edition of Ask a Leader. As we speak, many a memorial are being conducted to remember those who were killed on that day or those who died as a result of exposure to the aftermath of those attacks. Fifty types of cancer are responsible for 1,000 people killed due to exposure to the toxic dust. This year at the World Trade Center site, the political presence will give way to voices of 9-11 victims' family members, reading the names of those who died. As our commemoration to all 9-11 victims and their families will take a somewhat spiritual path, we'll hear from Reverend Mark Whitlock, pastor of Christ Our Redeemer AME in the first portion, then we'll talk with Luis Bravo, representing the Orange County Congregation Community Organization, to talk about the Dreamers alive, well, and thriving with their sights on greater political involvement in the OC and beyond. Finally, David Brisbane, Executive Director from the Effect, a faith-based recovery program in San Juan Capistrano, will talk about his First Friday program, an alcohol and drug awareness series of monthly forums on, uh, it was last September uh, 7th. But It will be the next first Fridays of the months to come. Please stay with me. We'll be right back. I'm glad you're with us on this morning to reflect amongst yourselves and with us today. was one of my favorite pianists, Bill Beach, on his Letting Go album, Dreams Deferred. Well, I want to thank everybody for staying back with us. My first guest on Ask a Leader is Reverend Mark Whitlock, who will help us rethink our assumptions about religion post 9-11. First, to introduce Reverend Whitlock, he served as pastor of Christ Our Redeemer AME Church in Orange County. That is specifically in Irvine since uh, August 1998. He's also chief executive officer of Nehemiah Ministries, a nonprofit 501c3 economic development corporation for the 5th Episcopal District of the AME Church. And in addition, Reverend Whitlock is the director of community initiatives at University of Southern California Center for Religion and Civic Culture. That's why he's here, folks. Among other boards of directors, Reverend Whitlock is a member of the Harvard Divinity School Summer Leadership Institute, Genesis Los Angeles, Orange County Human Relations Committee, American Civil Liberties Union. This is Reverend Whitlock's second appearance on Ask a Leader he was on my very first show, for which I thank him again right now. Welcome back, Reverend Whitlock, to Ask a Leader.
0: It is such a great opportunity to join you again. I can't believe it. it's been almost two years.
1: It's been over two years, and what has happened in the at intervening time? We gonna, we're going to we're going to make the most of that. Well, Reverend Whitlock, what? are some of the 9-11 themes that you've incorporated into your sermons over these years.
0: You know, it's interesting that you asked that question. It's a great question. Why would God allow such a violent act to take place? We may never know the answer to that, but we do know that God expects us to go into action Once such a horrific uh Moment takes place in human history, and, and I, I think when our backs are up against the wall, is when we really, really uh, show who our real culture, our, our, our real character is. I remember distinctly uh, back uh, in 2001, I was supposed to fly to Chicago and give a lecture. Uh, I think it was at University of Chicago, University of Chicago. Supposed to go. And mm-hmm. my mom was out of town, and um, my flight didn't leave until ten o'clock that morning. And, and she calls me at seven. She says, "I don't think you'll be leaving today." Um, and uh, turn on the television, and I did, and I saw the the first building uh, ablaze, and I was sitting there, um, and then I. Went in and I got my children. They were the tiny children, the time. and I went and grabbed them and returned to the television. And as I was coming back to the television, we saw the second plane go into that building. Oh my! And I don't think I'll ever. I don't think I'll ever forget that for the rest of my entire life.
1: Reverend Whitlock, were your children there in your lap with you watching that?
0: Yeah, and then we also watched. Um, the buildings go down.
1: Ooh.
0: And I don't, I don't think I'll ever forget crying as much uh, because I thought of myself. I thought of my children. I thought, what did that do? What would that do to our country? And, and, and because of my position at the time, I was working for First AME Church in Los Angeles as executive director president of our nonprofit corporation. And the governor flew me in a week after all of that place to uh, a conference that uh, was being held uh, in New York City
1: that was Governor Gray Davis at that time
0: Huh?
1: that was Governor Gray Davis at the time right okay
0: and um, I flew in and I I went to this conference on how to deal with these types of tragedies and I remember getting off the plane and and, and in New York City which I kind of lived at one time and how very empty, and how emotionalist, and then how open New Yorkers were. You know how you can, in New York you can walk by people they don't speak, but in, on this occasion everybody was speaking. They're talking. Um, went to the went to the site of the event and prayed, and we started off with five people. At the end of the prayer, we had over 150 people gathered in a circle. My point is, is that people must come together. We have more in common than we have in contrast we have more potential than we have the potential to create pain and unless we unless we openly communicate with one another um, things like this will become the rule and not the exception
1: indeed and I want to take up your point you made earlier about the backs our backs up against the wall now we know what we're really made of what did you learn about yourself? Uh, what what surprised you in uh, maybe your congregants uh, there either in L.A. or later on in Orange County? What surprised you about what you learned about yourself with your back against the wall, or let's say a testimonial from a congregant about a trial post nine eleven?
0: It's interesting. Um, I was uh, in L.A. working, and I also was serving. As pastor in Christ our Redeemer. And I remember having a sermon, doing a sermon, and we, and the sermon wasn't about, um, Osama bin Laden or the terrorist groups. It really was about the terror within and how we must not allow ourselves to enter into a self imposed prison sentence, and the bars of fear hamper us from liberating others and providing help for those who really need our help. Um, And so for me, it it, it touched an emotion so deep that we really need one another. It touched an emotion so deep that we don't truly understand one another. I, I remember... Walking in to um, a center at UCI, University of California Irvine, and and when I walked in on that day of 9/11 uh, into the um, intercultural uh, center, there were Muslims in the room, there were Jews in the room, there were Black, White, Asian, Latino. Uh, people in the room, men and women, and we all looked at each other, and without saying a word, we started crying. And and at that moment, there was a stripping away of our um, prejudice, a stripping away of our desire to affirm our individual religions and our our individual groups, the silos that we have created to quote-unquote, protect ourselves, we came together and we embraced. And in that embrace, there was a sense of security. There was a sense of meaning. There was a new meaning to humanity.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And and I think if we could have maintained that, if we, sh- if we could maintain that, and, and unfortunately, out of that tragedy, there was a phoenix that arose. That, that, that and, yes. and, and in that phoenix, there was hope. And for me, the hope is that we must get past this, this outer this outer skin, this, this, this for, for lack of a better word, avatars walking around, hiding who we really are. We are people who need one another. We are people who desire to be loved and affirmed and respected no matter what takes place, but for some reason we just can't get to it. And so me as a religious person... I want to throw away these hideous theological treaties that would suggest that I'm better than you because I have the words better, I use the words better than you. In other words, why not respect those who love whoever they love, be it same-sex marriage, let them love. Be it be it Christian, Jew, Gentile, let them love. And once we understand love is the real common denominator, Once we understand that, I think then we live in peace. Jesus talked about a peace that passes all understanding. And it really is getting past this peace of flesh and to see the inner self coming out of ourselves to the greater self of God.
1: Amen. For those of you who've just joined us, you're listening to Ask a Leader. My guest is Reverend Mark Whitlock. Of Christ, Our Redeemer, Congregation in Irvine, talking about reconsidering our religious assumptions on today's 11th anniversary of 9/11. Well, I, speaking of our our backs up against the wall, and then uh, let's I want to like, want to move into some sort of opportunity taking that, for me, felt very unseemly. I, I um, everybody knows my uh, per- political persuasion, so. That considered, but that not uh, uh, further unpackaged. As I'm watching, Reverend Whitlock, the Democratic Convention, uh, where uh, various uh, representatives of the Democratic Party were compelled to reinforce President Obama's national security bona fides by repeatedly referencing the elimination of Osama bin Laden. But let's not forget that that was an extrajudicial killing, a practice that it can't be defended legally. Uh, it, it may be defended politically. But Reverend Whitlock, can it be defended on spiritual grounds?
0: I I, I, I I am not one who believes in violence of any kind. I, I, you know, I, I, actually, I was appalled at the fact that we were out shouting and celebrating the death of uh, anyone. I, I, I would have preferred uh, to capture him and take him to court and allow the court system to indeed uh, rule and, and let justice be done. So for me, violence of any kind is something that I don't believe in. I, I just don't. Um, that, that for me does not work. I, am, I, I, I believe in peace. I believe in, in a peaceful resolve. Um, I do believe our jail cells are too big, but I don't think we need to fill cemeteries because people do something wrong.
1: Ugh. Indeed. Well, I wanted to bring now, the... yes. Now, now, now I must celebrate uh, in in this the
0: South, I don't just think, you know Osama bin Laden represented um uh, a great strategy in our country, so we cannot minimize that. Osama Bin Laden um for me, uh, uh, represented a person that um, led a group of people to take their lives uh, for a cause, um, which I think was senseless. Osama uh, bin Laden does not represent the Muslim community. Osama uh, bin Laden uh, was power out of control. And so... Um, well, I certainly don't support and celebrate how he died. I, I do, however, suggest that we don't need these type of men or women um, in positions of, of leadership. I think we must begin to do a better job. And I, I don't know how to. I, and, and I don't know if there's a, if there's an exact answer for that. I, Adolf Hitler did exist. Mussolini did did, did live. Um, and so, when these types of um, psychotic people come into positions of power, these megalomaniacs, there's something, uh, or there's something that must be done. Uh, I am not one to believe that we we, we we execute them, but we must execute
1: justice. Thank you for that. That I think uh, it. Um I, there is, I think, blowback when we do trot out for the world a, a, a celebration of, of a of a step taken that is not def- defensible legally, questionably questionable on spiritual grounds, uh, questionable on some political grounds as well. And so, I, I appreciate you taking that f- full circle with with your consideration there. Well, I. I'd like to know uh, now. Was there a message this this September uh, the Sunday prior to September 11th, or did you did you have a different um, message to take out this time around? We had
0: a prayer for those who were hurting. Right, in in my emotional response a few minutes ago about 9/11, we had members mm-hmm. of our church, mm-hmm. with family in that building.
1: Oh my goodness! And
0: yeah, and lost family members, lost friends. Um You know, it's amazing how many how close we are. Um, there's very few shades I think of separation uh, here in the United States. In fact, I, I think that most of us have uh, we, 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 we occupy so many different bodies, but I think we have very similar souls. Mm. And so mm. I remember how we uh, push people, to do more than pray, we must push people to give back to the community, provide food, clothing, shelter, housing, um, some method of lifting one another up. In, in our denomination, particularly in our church, we call ourselves community changers.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And we, we do that uh, by certainly participating in civic engagement where we um, challenge public policy. And we also operate community development programs, low-income housing, uh, public housing. Uh, One of the things that we're excited about is on September 30th, Sheriff Hutchins is coming to Christ our Redeemer. And uh, because uh, Pastor Santos Chavez and I uh, of Lighthouse Church was in the Orange County Register not too long ago, I think about a week, two weeks ago, where we helped change the public policy in the Orange County Jail System. About 32 Latino lay chaplains who volunteered for the Orange County Sheriff, uh, Orange, Orange County Jails, for over two decades, mm-hmm. were asked uh, to leave uh, the jails because they had made a mistake. And some uh, had created a crime some 20, 25 years earlier, and so they were asked to leave. Oh. And and we said to the sheriff that, the, the you're right, they did commit the crime, but 25 years later, they're trying to keep people from committing the same type of mistakes. Mm -hmm. And every one of us has committed some type of sin of some type. And, you know, we negotiated with the sheriff's office, and uh, we were able to get that public policy changed. And now those lay chaplains are going back into the jails to minister to these inmates to keep them from going back in, reducing recidivism. In Orange County, and we're excited about that. That's the goal. And I think it, it is the goal, and that, that's the goal. I mean, we all make mistakes. Maybe we don't make a mistake big enough to go before the judicial before the judicial system or be incarcerated. But we all make a mistake, and 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 so there should be some forgiveness. But what do you do after you make the mistake? You know, what do you do? To do you go into further decline, um, the,
1: mm-hmm. or so do that's you what we
0: do. right? We 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 we, we practice community development. We practice civic engagement and Christ our Redeemer. um, And we're in Irvine. We've been there now 15 years and we're just excited about the possibilities of what God is doing with
1: us. Well, I wish you success in continuing that. You've been doing it for so long that uh, no wonder uh, Orange County Sheriff Hutchins wanted to uh, make common cause with you and make the most of a leveraging a, what a congregation can do in its outreach and reaching further into uh, not deepening a a, a criminal's um, hardwired uh, you know violent previous history but to try to resolve that so that in all ways there's an we, we get beyond that we 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 turn them into something much much more instead of much less and more of a hazard and more of a, a an uh, a danger to us all. so I, I thank you for coming on the, the program this morning uh, as we bring this to a close and reflecting on 9/11. Wish you all the I, best and yes. Thank you for inviting me. Good luck and keep up the good work. Okay, thank you kindly and you take care. We're going to uh, go next to um, have a, um, a moment, a stretch here with my uh, next guest who's going to be Luis Bravo a volunteer with the Orange County Congregation Community Organization talking about what the Dreamers are up to currently as the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals is being implemented in fits and starts, it seems. So we'll be right back. So stay with us for a little contemplative round here. Fia
0: B. Adele. Lee Adler.
1: Daniel Thomas Aflita. Emmanuel Akwazi Afwakwa. Alec Agual Bukal Humar Aguala Joseph Aganella David Scott
0: Agnes. And my father. Collexao
1: Charlie Anaya Jr. Thank you for joining us. That was a a reading, uh, not this year, but uh, uh, two years ago, of uh, 9 11 uh, victims by members, as you could tell, of their family. Well, my next guest is, um, let's talk about many of the victims of 9 11, especially those atop the World Trade Center, preparing those grand meals at the window on the World Restaurant were undocumented workers, and their families suffered in a particular way, not knowing how to search for some missing who were also undocumented. I'd like to take up with you in this part of the show an activist, Luis Bravo, a volunteer with the Orange County Congregation Community Organization, uh, to currently... uh, take up the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, President Obama's measure to address the complications that young undocumented individuals face each and every day. 21 years old now, Luis Bravo is serving as OCCCOs, that's abbreviation, Orange County Congregation Community Organization, as their media representative. This is his radio debut. He comes to us today from Costa Mesa, Welcome to Ask a Leader, Luis Bravo.
2: Hi. Uh, thank you for, for giving me the opportunity to, to be here and, and share this um, this work that we're doing. And, well, I, I really appreciate it. And also I think it's important, you know, to keep in mind that a lot of lives of, of innocent people were lost in um, 9-11. And, uh, well, a lot of families uh, uh, have to get through this struggle and, um a lot of undocumented people were there as well. And it, it is tough uh, not knowing how to search for someone that, that, that's missing.
1: Who's not officially here yeah, and missing. So, Luis, let's, mm-hmm. I typically introduce my guests, but I think in the case of dreamers, it's the better side of valor is to let, let the dreamer introduce themselves. Tell us uh, a little bit about your background, uh, where your family came from, how old you were when you first came to the U.S.
2: Uh, well, yeah, my, my name's Lise Bravo, and um, I'm 20 years old, uh, actually, right now. And um, my parents brought me here to, to the U.S. from Mexico when I was only four. And um, I've been here since. Um, don't really, I've never really gone back. I uh, don't really know much uh, about Mexico, like living like in that lifestyle. Um, and I'm really thankful that that my parents brought me and all well, my brothers and sisters here, uh, knowing they're gonna go through a, a much bigger struggle. But uh, they did it for for us, and so we can have a, a better opportunities to a better future. And so I'm really thankful for that. But um, it, it is tough. It, it's a struggle. Um, I don't know. It, it's hard for me to for me to admit it to myself sometimes. too, that um, being do- undocumented does hold me back sometimes, but. Um I I'm, I'm getting better at at overcoming it and especially with things like the action that are that's happening right now um it it kind of helps me um think you know it's going to get easier and and it's going to still going to be a lot of um obstacles I'm going to have to overcome but it's like something that's that's like off my back and something I won't have to worry as much um, especially right now, I'm, I'm barely in the process of doing, going through, the the deferred action. Yes. And um, it,
1: it's a lot of work, you know. It's. Um, well, wait a minute before you go into that. Let's. Mm-hmm. I want to go still some in your background. Okay. Where Where did you Where have you gone to school?
2: Um, I went to uh, Costa Mesa High School. I did my whole elementary um, and high school here, and then uh, I went to community college. Well, I'm still in community college, Orange County Community College.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And, um, uh huh. And, yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing right now, working to get my AA degree. And, and hopefully. In um,
1: what, what kind of field?
2: Well, I want to do um, some sort of computer science. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But right now I'm getting my general education done. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: where would you like to go when you're done with your associate's degree at OCC?
2: Uh, i don't know yet I'm, I'm still trying to figure out like what what exactly I, i'm gonna i'm gonna do you know it's, it's hard for me to to plan ahead a lot of the mm-hmm. time because i don't really know what's gonna happen i kind of have to live on a short short term um uh thing you know because i have to be thinking like oh well, uh, right now i'm relying on my parents to to for um for my education and so so is my family like if something happens to them, like they get deported or something, you know, it, it would affect me. So I can't really, I, I don't know, it's something that it's always in my mind. Right. And so that's
1: what makes your situation so different from your peers that are, uh, who have their documentation, their citizenship, uh, not um, at, at uh, risk here. Um, so that making plans, uh, knowing what you're going to do, the security that, I mean, you don't even know how long the deferred action is going to be. And, and we're, we're calling it a deferred action. It's not an executive direction. Mm-hmm. It's not a, well, it's an di- executive direction, but not executive order in the tr- strict sense. Mm-hmm. And it's not a loss that has uh, the, the, or the uh, an action that has the heft of a law, should I say. Mm-hmm. So uh, ha- making plans and making your computer science education and certification a reality and your ability to, to continue to pay back to this society, mm-hmm. all of that is up in the air, and it's really important that we all take stock of what that complication means in your living your daily life and having a and putting together a future that works for you and others.
2: Yeah, um, it's it's like you said. You know, it's it's temporary. We don't know when they they could just take it away from us, or um, we don't we have like. We know it's going to be only for two years, and after that, you might be able to re- renew it. But um, we, we don't know exactly um, how long this is going to last. But uh, well, while it's here, you know, uh, it's another opportunity, and it's something I, I, I want to take advantage of. Um, and it, it will help me a little bit uh, through some some of the worries that I still have.
1: Right. And what difference is it making for you in the short term right now, so everybody can understand how this is operationalizing for for young individuals like yourself?
2: Well, well uh, being accepted with a deferred action, uh, you, you also have the right, like, you, you can apply for a driver's license. And well, that's really important, especially um, getting from, from home to school and back. And um, it, it's beneficial because I, don't, I wouldn't have to rely on other people to um, give me a ride to school or my friends, you know, trying to catch a ride with them. Uh, make, sometimes going a little bit earlier um, just so I can get a ride with them and so that it will make it easier um,
1: but you put that in the future so. tense and that's very critical for us mm-hmm. to consider is there's still paperwork you're you you have not yeah. even gotten to the DMV yet you're still mm-hmm. working on uh, your yeah. eligibility and all that so what's that form look like for the deferred action what what, what kind of paperwork are we talking walk us through it would you mm-hmm. Luis
2: uh so what what I need is uh I need to have a paperwork that proves that I've been here since uh since the age of 4. Uh so that's like all my transcripts from my elementary school, my high school. Mm-hmm. And um also I had to uh have some sort of documentation that says I was present here um when this announcement was made. And so um any letters of recommendations and um from teachers or friends or or um so something that that proves you you're here um what i'm doing is um i'm going to try to get a a letter of recommendation from an internship i was doing mm-hmm. uh, so uh hopefully um that can uh, be be some information also like any medical records um that show you you've been getting um, vaccinated you know the your shots. And That's everything. required. You
1: mm-hmm. need to prove that, okay?
2: Yeah. Well, well, it's it's basically any information or, or evidence, any documents that that prove you've been here, um, uh, footprints. Yeah. Fingerprints. Yeah. Anything, anything that that um, proves you you were here under the age of eighteen. You were brought here under the age of,
1: I mean, 16? sixteen. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Right.
2: Sixteen. And um, to prove that you've been here living for five years, and so. I'm just trying to get gather all the information, you know any certificates you got during school, um, all that stuff.
1: Well, for those of you who've just joined us, we are talking to Luis Bravo, a volunteer and media representative with the Orange County Congregation Community Organization, talking about uh, and walking us through the deferred action paperwork before he even gets to line up in the long the next long line. At the Department of Motor Vehicles to get his license, so he's he's still is in the pre-deferred uh, <laughs> waiting pool here, and so um, as he's getting his th- that paperwork, and then after that, then it's the work permit. So he's, there's not mm-hmm. there's a lot of formalities ahead before you can start uh, cruising around, see the first dollar. So yeah. then we're talking then um, what uh, is the other? There are other. Uh, improvements that, that uh, the features of the deferred action that will change your life and that when you that goes to addressing the the kinds of planning you're trying to do for putting your education together and that, that it will allow for you to openly apply for some kinds of student loans student uh, scholarships so that you can afford actually to attend the school that gets you your computer science degree
2: mm-hmm uh, yeah, that that's another thing um well my parents they I, I I'm really proud of them and they're really hard workers.
1: What do they uh, do for work?
2: My dad's a electrician and my mom does hairstyling. Uh-huh. And um yeah, they they've been really really helpful um they they tell me, you know, as long as you're in school, um you know, you can count on our, on our support and and our help. And um that's also very motivating, you know. Knowing that there's someone that, that's gonna look out for you and make sure you you can well, honestly reach your dreams, um, and it, it's it's I'm I'm really happy for that.
1: Yes, and amidst the activities, I know you were there was a rally in uh, Orange County over Sunday that what the OCCCO put on. Um, so these activities include some awareness of. Uh, the elections uh, getting those who are eligible to vote because I'm sure you're uh, approaching many people who are not eligible but for those who are eligible to vote you're getting them signed up to register so uh, what other what tell us about those activities
2: uh so yeah I've been uh, volunteering with oco for almost a year now um i'm gonna it's gonna be a year in November so it's really exciting um, and we're working on uh, motivating mobilizing people to go out and vote this election um we we are um targeting like a a lot of people that um that that are eligible to vote but uh for for some reason they they have not been voting in the past uh they're they're known like unlikely voters so Mm -hmm. people that they're already registered to vote but like based on their voting habits it's very unlikely that they will turn out to vote this year
1: so what kind of reactions are you getting when you approach them now
2: uh, it, it's really um, eye-opening, you know. Oh. Um, I, well, a lot of the, the people I, I talk to, like, because we're doing door knocking and um, phone banking, and so when I go and knock on the doors and, and they greet me um, and I ask, you know, like, we're we're um, we're from OCO and we're promoting people to go out and vote, and they're like, oh yeah, you know, I haven't gone out to vote in like the last eight years or so,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and and they I ask why and, and they say, well, like. Um, I'm talking about a a, a specific person. Yes. She's an older lady, and she she told me, you know, it, it's tough. First of all, I, I don't know where to vote, um, and and it, if if um, I did, it's hard because I, I would need to find someone that can give me a ride there, and bring me back. And so I was like, oh well, you know, you could register to to have your ballot by mail. Good. She's like really, and yeah, so I, I helped her through fill out. Um, her uh, registration form so she can be an, a permanent absentee voter and she can get all the information by mail. So it would make it a lot easier for her. And and I think uh, a lot of people face uh, multiple obstacles to get to the polls. And um, with OCO, uh, we're working to, to bring down some of those obstacles and, and get people uh, voting.
1: So are you're working in particular areas? Are you in uh, uh, North County mostly mm-hmm. or South County too? Uh, where are you mm-hmm. targeting?
2: So, so we're, it's a, um, for entire Orange County, but we have a focus in, in uh, three main cities, which is uh, Anaheim, Santa Ana, and Costa Mesa. And um, we, that's where we have uh, more support from, like, our congregations, and, and that, that's why we, we're focusing in this, these areas. And um, there's a lot of people in these areas that um, don't turn out to vote. Statistically, like 80% of of the people that that can vote aren't showing up at the polls. So we want to do something about that.
1: Well, Luis, are you not sort of a living example and a motivator for why they should be voting? Because if you're not able to be participating directly in the electoral process, Mm -hmm. are you making yourself a bit of a poster guy to say,
2: look, (laughs) you got to vote for me? well well that that's um a lot of the times like like yeah um we we do come across people that aren't eligible to vote and they say oh well i can't really do anything about it and i say look what I, what i'm doing right now you know there's millions of things you can do you can go and spread the word go talk to some friends that can vote um family members that can vote and there's there's so much we can do and like there's so much we we live in a in a in a country where our our voices matter and we're in a country that we, if we work hard, we can reach our dreams, and, and we, we're living in this country where, where there's, there's a, a lot of opportunities and, and a lot of, a lot of ways to to get things done, and, and so uh, yeah, I, I like to 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 share that information with people.
1: Yes, and you can just make an example of how yes, how active you are, and. Mm-hmm. That you would surely be voting if you had that eligibility. So, what's stopping them? And I, I, I imagine yeah. that does burn, put a little fire underneath them. Well, we mm-hmm. want to make sure as we close the interview that listeners know how to follow what you're doing. And the website is o triple c p i c o dot org. And you can find out what's going on in the community nearest you. And maybe, maybe. Yeah. You will yes. think, listeners, that there would be something very compelling and interesting for you to get involved mm-hmm. with here. And so Luis Bravo, uh, uh, Minerva Gomez, and some other dreamers will be happy to take you up mm-hmm. on uh, and give you an assignment, and uh, you'll be forever changed is my guess.
2: Yes, um, thank you. Uh, just want to correct the, the website. Oh, it's, gosh, it's, what did <laughs> I do? It's kind of difficult. but Yes, it is. It's O-C-C-C-O org. Well, that's
1: what I typed up, but I didn't say it apparently. So I'll work on my speech impediments. No, it's fine. So uh, that's, uh, and we will put that so on the podcast so others Uh can refer to that if they missed it. So i I want to uh, I want to thank you for your commitment for your being an example to all of us, Luis for your courage. It's not easy for dreamers to come out. And I'm so proud of Benita Beniz uh, at the Democratic Convention. There she was at the podium, just Mm -hmm. making herself the most visible of an undocumented uh, youth uh, in the country. And it takes courage, folks, for for someone uh, to do that, when we know that this deferred action is who knows how long lasting. So I wish you well, in thank your you. political activism, your community building and getting that computer science degree. I want to hear about that. I want to have you back on the show as uh, we can watch uh, your putting this uh, career and life together. Would you do that for us, Louise? Yes, of course. OK, uh, well, let's you. do that. I uh, thank you so much for being on the show.
2: Thank you very much. All
1: right. So what we're going to do next is take up my last guest, Dave Brisbane, with the Effect Ministry But uh, we'll take a station break, and uh, we'll be right back. Well, thank you for staying with me. All that was the uh, I had to do it. The Latin-Arabian uh, rough guide with a um, the performer uh, with the little blend of Anouthisia and uh, and Arab culture. So for now, uh, my next uh, part of the program, my guest is Dave Brisbane. He is the executive director of the Effect Ministry at. Um, in San Juan Capistrano has been working in the ministry for over 15 years serving as uh, worship leader, youth leader, and associate pastor, and teaching pastor in churches in Laguna Niguel, San Clemente, and Dana Point. And with a Bachelor's uh, of Arts from the Cal State University Long Beach in English and Creative Writing, take note students, he's taught school both at the elementary and undergraduate levels. His Master's in Divinities from Coastland University in San Juan Capistrano and folks on pastoral counseling. We'll take that up today. He's board certified by the American Association of Christian Counselors uh, International Board and is licensed as a professional pastoral counselor by the American Association of Christian Therapists. He's been working in the areas of individual and family counseling, grief and crisis counseling, and spiritual mentoring. So he's been te- the teaching pastor at the FECT and also the president of the Children of the America nonprofit working for nutrition education children in Mexico and US, and the author of the book. The Fifth Way on the Aramaic Way of Jesus with Passionate Common Sense. He comes to us today happily from San Juan Capistrano to talk about a monthly series of forums to provide the awareness, information, and resources for families dealing with substance abuse issues. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Pastor Dave Brisbane.
3: Oh, Claudia, thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, I'm glad we got you on this week. We were uh, concerned about uh, our missing opportunity, but we didn't miss it twice in a row. So tell us, Pastor Dave, a little bit about your new ministry, The Effect, in lowercase letters, recently founded in 2007 in San Juan Capistrano, a Christian congregation, but but it's not a church per se.
3: No, in fact, we wanted to expressly make sure that we weren't just creating another community church model. Our reason for existing is to be a recovery ministry, to really put a footprint down in uh, South County for people who are having recovery issues, especially young people, to give them an ongoing place where they could come and they know that they have a safe place that they can come to. They can attend meetings, um, AA, NA, OA, Al-Anon meetings. They can also attend either worship gatherings or studies and, and, uh, and just have social activities as well. And then also as a byproduct of that, we also worship together and we perform some of the functions that you would find in the church, but primarily as a ministry to people who are working through recovery issues. Of course, as we got into this, we realized everybody's recovering from something. So in the broader sense, any unresolved issues that need to be worked out have a similar path and a similar process to, uh, to get resolved and to get into true recovery or transformation.
1: Well... Then how are Christian counselors different from counselors in general?
3: Well, really, the, as far as we're concerned, the tools are the same. Um, we're, we're still working with, with people. Either if we're counseling, we're not doing therapy. A counselor is someone who's working with words to try to work through specific issues on a short-term basis, um, get through to solutions and strategies and techniques and ways to deal with either grief or crisis or relationships, or if it's addiction, whatever we need to get through to a point of resolution. But of course, a Christian counselor or anyone who's working in a spiritual setting is going to be bringing in that extra dimension. To us, it's absolutely critical for someone who's going through recovery to be able to add a spiritual component to what's going on. It's not enough to just achieve abstinence. You know, that becomes the dry-drunk scenario where the person is actually worse off than they no, are No,
1: that is not enough. Not I'll enough. So we that. want to
3: take the person all the way to true transformation where they are instilling inside of themselves what they need to be able to have a successful life. And that comes from identity. It comes from knowing who you are and why you're here, meaning and purpose.
1: Well, and you are doing that through a monthly program that you launched Now, is it the very first First Friday ever, or is it just the First Friday this particular season?
3: No, this is our first First Friday ever. And that was last
1: Friday, uh, September 7th.
3: That's right. That's right. And really, um, First Friday represents the third leg of our ministry. The first is community, and we talked about that, having a place where people can come Seven days a week, and have a place, a safe place where they can come and network and connect with people. The second is recovery itself. So we have day treatment, we have our counseling center, and we have actual formal programs and tools for people to achieve recovery and transformation. And with First Friday, we're adding empowerment. First Friday is designed to get out into the community and help families get the information and the resources they need to deal with whatever uh, drug-related issues are occurring in their lives. So especially targeting parents of young people, which is an absolute epidemic epidemic in, in South County, to get them what they need to be able to deal with the problems in their families is what First Friday is all about.
1: How can you see that it's an epidemic? I mean, we all are aware of it around us, but when you use the word epidemic, how is it that you know it's at that level
3: right now there are more deaths um, due to overdoses and prescription drugs in south county in orange county i should say itself than 48 other states in the union oh my goodness This is our county versus 48 other states we've had 400 deaths due to overdoses in just the last four years from um, young people aged 15 to 25. Um, it's been recently said that uh, stated in statistics that accidental deaths due to overdoses have now overtaken motor vehicle accidents really? as the main killer in the United States. So there's a problem overall, but the problem is concentrated much more in Orange County, and there's a, several factors for that. But we are seeing an absolute epidemic, and it's killing our young people.
1: Do you want to tell us a little bit in the time remaining what those factors are? I can guess a few, but I want to hear from <laughs> the, man the man in the trenches.
3: Well, it has to do with affluence uh, in our community, Uh, a lot of kids with a lot of means. Um, It has to do with a lack of meaning and purpose, once again. Our kids are looking at the future. The future can look kind of bleak from a macro point of view. And they don't see where their place is. They don't know where they're going. And so it's real easy with the resources that they have and the leisure time that they have uh, to fall into certain patterns. And um, we're just seeing that over and over again in our communities.
1: Well, um, how do attendees who are not Christian fit into this First Friday Forum?
3: Oh, very easily. In fact, if you had walked into a First Friday uh, last Friday or any Friday, um, you wouldn't feel that you were attending any sort of religious service. The effect, first of all, is, is, is very non-religious. We're non-sectarian and non-denominational. There is no litmus test. There is no uh, prerequisite for anybody. Everyone is welcome. And we are dealing with the problem on its face; that it's at, right at the uh, where the rubber meets the road. So um, it's not Christian in that sense. The treatment and the way that we go about working through the problems has the spiritual element to it, of course. But everyone is welcome.
1: Well, I, I was doing some looking around, uh, you know, when you talk in your book in the title about the Aramaic way. I mean, most references are to that language, the Aramaic language that was spoken in Jesus' time. But what what do you mean by the Aramaic way? And maybe that's something that you're doing in this intervention for uh, substance abuse.
3: Absolutely. The, the principles that Jesus gave us um, from the first century uh, are solid principles. That, that will take a person through an actual physical program. There's something that you need to do. It's not enough to think your way through. It's not enough to have a philosophy about life or about religion or about anything. There's something you actually need to do to work through it. Jesus' first followers were called followers of the way. There was an actual process. It's hard for us now, after 2,000 years, and having Jesus' words translated from Greek and then into English – to really get back to that non-religious setting in which his message was first delivered. By going back into his original language, we can uncover what he was trying to say in a much more pure way, and it, it just bypasses all the problems in between. Bi- that is the message that we are using to help recovering addicts and alcoholics, and it's also the message that we're using for all of us to be able to understand what this way really was.
1: Well, I'd say that was a very powerful message, and that that would be a resource in our area's uh, a, a good fortune where we're having so many people ailing uh, from this heightened level of, of substance abuse. as you said, ranking in, in the country that it said it is. I'm linking this sounds like sort of a kinesthetic theology.
3: Very much so. Very much so. (laughs) Working it. it, It's got the force of movement behind it.
1: (laughs) All right. Okay. Well, we'll, we can coin that here on on Ask a Leader. Well, um, I know you're next. You're going to be doing this through the, the fall and into the winter. Could you just rattle off the next first Fridays that people can check out? We'll give you the website after that
3: absolutely our next first friday will be the first friday of october and then of course first friday it's always the first friday hence the name but the next one is october fifth which is friday evening starting at seven o'clock and we're really excited to have lance christensen who is an orange county um deputy sheriff he is also um a school resources officer for the csu um cusd so he does presentations all over the county at church, at, at schools with the express purpose of getting parents educated about what's happening in the streets, in the trenches, he'll come with tables full of confiscated materials oh, from bindles to machetes and everything oh. in between. He'll have a, a PowerPoint presentation. It's really, really powerful. It's eye-opening. You can't believe what's going out there, on out there with kids as young as elementary school. So Lance will be with us in October. On November 2nd, we have Jody Barber, who produced the movie Overtaken which is now um, being shown through schools and across the country, and it has to do with this um, really dealing with the child and not the child but the young person and, and dealing directly with them to give them the realities of what happens uh, when addiction takes hold. Jody lost her son to an overdose so in yes. their first hand, and she knows what's going on. And then on uh, December 7th, Friday, we'll have Will Wooten, who is um, the founder of the Pacific Coast Treatment or Pacific Treatment Centers in San Diego, and also is the author of a book called Bring, Back your T- Bring Your Teen Back from the Brink. So he'll be looking at the issue from a treatment perspective.
1: Well, it looks like it's been a very thoughtfully laid out program. I speak the obvious. I thank you for uh, your contributions here and making uh, yourself available, and theeffect.org, all in lowercase uh, letters, no spaces. Theeffect.org is where... Uh, the, a very nicely w- laid out website can lead listeners through upcoming programs. Folks, if it's not for you, that resource could be something for somebody who hasn't heard about this before, and it could possibly make a real difference. You can hear Pastor Dave is making a real concerted effort to bring in all the resources that know what they're doing in, in Orange County and uh, wants to open it up to all. I, I'm, it's not that I'm a shill here. I just I just get the sense that... that there is something much more expansive in your interpretation of a, a, I would call it a Jesus with a small J, an, a, a, <laughs> an unappropriated Jesus.
3: <laughs> I love that. That's great.
1: So uh, thank you for coming on the show, and we'll uh, hope maybe you have some other new programs you want to come back on again. We're open for uh, we're open for business.
3: Would love to, and thanks for helping us spread the word, Claudia.
1: Okay. Take care. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. I've run over, and I apologize to that, to Jorge Rosales, who's coming up next with his hat a Hat. And we have more programming that I hope is worth all of your time next week. Thanks for joining me and for listening on this September 11th this year.